Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Appledore Research Podcast. My name is Robert Curran, Consulting Analyst with Appledore. As ever, we're here to share insights on the transformation of telecom in the era of cloud, network automation, and AI. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now, enjoy the show. It's not so long ago that the vendor landscape in telecom was pretty simple. Uh, you had hardware vendors, software vendors, and systems integrators. And in software, we had clearly defined BSS, OSS, NMS, and EMS. And everyone knew their place and got along just fine. That's not how things are today. The vendor landscape is being transformed. The softwareization of telecom is having a profound effect on the overall market and on the position of individual vendors within it. Today, not only are the NMS and EMS so closely associated with network equipment vendors up for grabs, but even the network itself. In this new softwareized version of telecom, how much does incumbency matter? If telcos can't rely on familiar labels of BSS, OSS and NMS to position vendors, what's the alternative? And how are vendors themselves, established and new entrants, adapting to this radically changed landscape? Joining us on the podcast today to talk about how software is redefining the telecom vendor landscape, I'm delighted to welcome Niall Norton, former CEO of OpenNet, now the head of a new business unit at Amdocs, Amdocs Networks. I'm also welcoming back Francis Hasem, one of the architects of the new post-OSS BSS network automation software market taxonomy that Appledore uh, launched about 18 months ago. Niall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Robert. And good, to meet, good to meet you, Francis. Francis, welcome back. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll come to Amdocs Networks in a minute, but as someone who's been in the industry since before cloud and, dare I say, before mobile, would you agree that the changes we're seeing now are more fundamental than any other time? I absolutely would. Um, Robert, to, to your point, I started in, in the mobile business or the telecoms business back in 1997. Um, and 2G was all the rage, but not actually firmly established. And anybody who's as old as I am will recall where if you went to the US, you had to have a separate phone because they had CDMA in places and, and so on. So there was a, there are parallels in that universe today when you hear about metaverse protocols and various kind of exposure protocols varying across operators and across regions. But back then you had networks which were very simple. 2G and, and text messaging was considered the height of, of data transport uh, or data tra data traffic, um, and you you know networks were, were were obviously processed you know only fractions of the data to you know back then you know in a, in in a year uh, you know a year's worth of data back then is a day's worth of data or less today so networks were were not hugely densified they weren't they were quite straightforward. And they were largely made up of uh, at the at the network layer of equipment boxes, which were incredibly highly tuned software, sitting on top of really expensive highly tuned uh, hardware. Um, but uh, when I joined into the telco uh, telco kind of uh, um, business, I, 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 I was actually working one of the operators, which subsequently was acquired by BT, then IPO'd as O2 then was acquired by Telefonica. And uh, on that journey, I, I was actually CFO of the Irish operation and was working on the analysts, uh, the analyst briefing 
group inside the company, which was fascinating to see how the, the financial markets understood Telco at the time. And it really gives you an, a bird's eye view on what the pressures uh, on, on investors, what was motivating them, what was de- depressing them and so on. Um, around 2004, I left uh, uh, the, the, the world of the operator and joined uh, CFO in, in a company called OpenNet. And we were doing uh, policy and charging. So on the great divide, we were somewhere between IT and network, and about 70% of our customers were actually network, but uh, you know, a, a big chunk of our business was on the IT world supporting billing systems and CRM and, and providing real-time data flows for customer call executives and things like that. Um, and you know, around maybe 2006, we were involved with one of the US operators launching the uh, iPhone, and no one, no one knew what it was at the time, but it was, you know, around the same time. It was very simultaneous to to 3G becoming available, and properly, that was the first time that um, data, in its own right, became the primary vehicle for what Telco was about. Because you suddenly had a device which had apps on an app store, which third-party software developers were were, were developing, and it became incredibly useful in ways that nobody had expected. Um, the you know some years later as we moved towards 4G it more or less in my head I always correlated with around the time the iPad came along and I again we were working in the front line at the time for enabling some of the services around top up with a credit card and have a, a, a almost a, a hybrid prepay postpay you know, price plan but actually what people were using it for uh, was incredible because I, I I brought home a prototype of an iPad to look at it. Uh, and at the time, my son was five, and he was looking at us sitting on the couch beside me, kind of thing. Then went over to the television and tried to swipe the television to go between pages. And I thought, oh my God, this is genius, you know. But it, I always remember that moment vividly because it's when networks stopped being, it's, it's when networks stopped being technical and started being consumer products, if I can put it like that, or at least the manifestation of the services. No longer were you looking to put in an APN address or were you worried about your megabytes or your gigabytes or whatever it was. Uh, People were actually using the devices probably in the way they should, which is a very interactive communication tool. Uh, And then suddenly you started seeing insurance people showing up with forms that were all electronic and and, and so on. but at that time, the networks were, were were obviously hugely under pressure from a uh, you know a massive ramp in the in the the, the traffic tonnage that they were actually processing, um, and that was uh, so so building out the networks and making them ever more dense, um, and trying to make some money doing it to pay for your licenses. Mm. Um, the, the what they got right was very relevant, and they kept providing technology which enabled next generation services which is good what they got wrong was they missed out on being part of the value chains so things like uber and netflix and airbnb all came into being largely as a result of the services and the connectivity becoming more ubiquitous um, but unfortunately the guys were literally you know they were getting the taxi fare they weren't actually getting to enjoy the theater that night kind of stuff and it was uh, it was it was tremendous pity but networks were then looking into the enterprise world and they were looking to say, you know, what, what, what AWS did for the cloud was profound. And it, 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 it has echoes in what's happening in telco today because 
before AWS produced a portal, which even a guy like me, who is non-technical, can actually use to configure a cloud instance. Before that, you needed a PhD in how to make clouds work. And you would typically ring up a specialist in an IBM and they would tell you about how complicated it was and you, you, you know, and so on. And, and that, that kind of enterprise software mindset that AWS brought to us, which was it's six clicks and a, six clicks and all of the complexity would be abstracted into the background and, and candidly, you didn't need to worry about it meant that people were suddenly free to enjoy the cloud in, 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 and, and, and they could use it for the business that they did know rather than being intimidated by the cloud business, which they really didn't know. And that was, um, but the tooling that came with that moment, you know, uh, the infrastructure behind it is software. Uh, the, uh, effectively, that, that network is a software-defined network. It's, it's, it's got fluidity. It's got flexibility. It's, it's effectively programmable based on certain parameters for, for a desired experience. It's got flexible pricing. Um, that was a show, for me, that was a very profound moment in the industry because I thought this is the way it's all going to go because networks going into 5G have to scale to, you know, not, not hundreds of millions of devices, but billions of billions of devices. Uh, it, they, some of those will be nomadic, as in they will roam across networks and no one will know and so on. The experiences will need to be programmable for uh, smart factories. They'll need to be programmable for, uh, you know, device manufacturers who, who want to own the customer experience, but maybe will partner with the telcos to provide that if, 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 if we get it right. Um, so we rewrote all of our software at the time to make it cloud native rather than just running in the cloud and to make it microservices based architecture. And, and no genius here, to be perfectly honest. We looked at what had been done in the enterprise world, what were the key components and, and you know, my colleague Joe Hogan, the CTO and Michael O'Sullivan who led the R and D efforts, I drove them crazy at the time because I, I you know, I come back from holidays with a long shopping list of things I'd like you to do and rewrite the whole portfolio <laughs> was one of them. Um, <clears throat> but the analysis that Appledore had around, you know, the blurring of the lines, uh, the, the, the effectively the, the virtualization of the network, the softwareization of the network. Uh, when I read that, that the research, I just thought this is this is it. I mean, this is exactly what we've been saying. And in in the in the context of you know, Open Network was acquired after many interesting adventures with Amdocs. Uh, we had partnered with them, we had a legal dispute with them, we had uh, uh, some friends in there, we had some enemies in there. Um, but actually in the, in the context of, with, with spectacular timing, six weeks after COVID broke out, we started having a discussion about maybe we should do some M&A. Uh, but the, you know, the thing that brought it together was the Amdocs view, which again, I think is very similar to what, what, what the Appledore view was. Uh, is that everything's changing and changing profoundly. Mm. Um, Amdocs wanted to evaluate were they, had they a play, you know, they are the 600 pound gorilla in billing. Everyone knows Amdocs for billing. Uh, everyone knows Amdocs for IT stuff, but they, and, and to the extent that Amdocs had network software, it was kind of peripheral extension of the IT footprint that they had. Um, and so in the, con in the context of the conversations we had had was, there's a bigger play for a newer type of vendor. The NEP, you know, the equipment provider, the, the, the SI guy, the hardware guy, uh, they are going, as the networks become software, as the networks become programmable, um, it begins to look like a gigantic IT system 
more than it does especially a specialist box but you can't it needs to be an appliance rather than a, a very open-ended loosey-goosey kind of architecture that no one knows what it'll look like because network engineers care about quality and they care about reliability and they care about predictability what they don't care about is millions of change requests and, and yeah. but 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 that's what you need to do in, in the it side because you've got marketing people all over the place um so we were acquired and 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 back in 2020 and we joined the technology group inside amdocs and over the next kind of year and a half we did an evaluation or I, I led an evaluation um, across the assets and the services and the relationships and the ecosystems and came back with a position paper to the company. And the company said, that's super. We like what we see. Well, actually, they said much less pleasant things, but I'm, history will allow me <laughs> airbrush this. There in the end. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Eventually, plan H, H got there. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting because we ended up, you know, when, when you consider the, the input assumptions around virtualization and, and, and the commercial models that are going to change and everything else, I came back with uh, uh, the conclusion that we were selling products and selling services was, was kind of okay, but we weren't going to move the needle. What we needed to do was sell solutions um, because every operator I've spoken to, and I know loads of the CTIOs and CTOs really, really well over the years, every one of them said, look, you know, I'm on fire. My house is on fire here with the demands coming at me. And there's a blizzard of new regulations and, you know, around privacy and security. There's a blizzard of new uh, standards coming around gateways and everything else. And, and in the middle of all this, you're saying, hey, why don't you do new monetization models as well? You know, you know, you know I haven't got the time. And it, 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 it sat with me for quite a while as to what's the role of the vendor here? Because it's not providing a box that no one understands that's super high performance. It's actually to lend a hand and say, look, our hypothesis is that we that you could do network automation. And here's how. And can we sit down with you and workshop this with you? Uh, or, you know, we, we our hypothesis is that you could provide a fantastic ecosystem to mobile private networks. And here's how we think you should do it. And um, uh, and we could sit down and work that out. Uh, and similarly speaking, around automation, zero touch networks, and, and and various other various other areas, the the central thesis being that in this new world, the existing consumer network, if I call it that, the existing wide area network that that the public network that that operators have, will continue to evolve uh, and embrace new services. But that's a kind of gradual evolution, which will allow them stop just doing tonnage across their network, but allow them to participate in, in more interesting, immersive experiences in a variety of ways. But the industrial enterprise uh, businesses that, that only barely exist today will become hugely mainstream. And that's a greenfield moment almost where the, the business demands um, will allow you leapfrog into much more automated, sophisticated systems uh, that don't have all of the 2G, 3G, 4G baggage coming with them, uh, and so on. So, um, so there's a buying motion or a, a requirement, a needs motion, which is quite different from from uh, what had been seen before. Um, and when I presented that, everyone looked at me here and said, "What are you talking about? That all sounds like gibberish." If you know what I mean. But <laughs> but, but but eventually, after 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 uh, presenting the research and, and and working with the analysts, you know, Appledore and, and others, um, 
the kind of common sense approach, the business outcome led approach that we we've been advocating for, um, was seen as the, you know this is the right way to go, and it changes the landscape. It embraces the fact that the IT uh, network divide doesn't exist anymore, and it actually casts the vendor in a new role, which is, uh, you know, dare I say it, as a helper, uh, an advisor, not just a supplier, uh, sure. because you know again the insight being we're all in this kind of we're all feeding out of the same trough and if we can accelerate the innovation if we can accelerate the the, the kind of business opportunities we have uh, uh, we'll all win and if we don't we're all going to starve because it'll it'll lead to a disintermediation it'll lead to a to a bad outcome all around so it was the longest answer in the history of the world, Robert. I apologise, but uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of ground to cover, and, and, and now you've you've done a great job at explaining that whole trajectory over over 30 years, uh, give or take. And it, it has been a profound change, you know. And in telecom, we've seen a, a, a number of waves, one after the other. You know, mobility, the internet, uh, smartphones. Uh, you know, let alone the kind of the billions of connected devices, the instrumentation of everything. You know, now we're wearing more devices than we were used to land the you know Apollo eleven on the moon. You know, um, so it's a it, it's it has been a huge change. I want to I want to go back to something you mentioned uh, along the way, and, and bring in Francis on this point. It, you you use this word programmability. Programmability has become an important priority of networks in a way that if you go back 10 or 15 years, it would have been bandwidth and quality and reliability. Now it is that very need to flex the network and, and through software that is a, you know, a, a highly prized uh, you know, attribute of modern networks. And so I wanted to just bring in Francis on, on this point because this changes things. You know, it, uh, it's been about 18 months since so Dappledore, we cast this landscape. We said, look, OSS and BSS are not really useful terms anymore. Let's consign those terms to, to a legacy. And I'm interested in, in how the act of doing that uh, has changed the conversations that Appledore is having with vendors. You know, this, this programmability idea, eliminating those conventional, you know, silos, for want of a better word. Um, how, how is that kind of featured in conversations that, that Appledore has been having with, with vendors? Yeah, it, it's been really interesting. I think if we go back eight years from when Appledore was founded, we, we, we very much had this hypothesis that software and uh, uh, virtualization could change a lot about what, what was happening operationally. Um, but frankly, you know, at the, at the beginning, you were kind of a voice in the wilderness um, in, in, this, in this area. I think what we're seeing is that suddenly... Uh, I think we've actually benefited from, from uh, I guess you could say, the failure of uh, NFV initiatives, where we really took that kind of first step that says, right, this could all be software. Um, but we then implemented it in exactly the same way as the existing hardware hardware model. We didn't actually fundamentally change, use software to change anything about the business of telco. Um, that is changing because I think a lot of people, to, to Niall's earlier point, you know, the, we're, we're, the telcos are on burning platforms. They, they can't sustain the, the, their growth, um, their investment on the basis of uh, the existing, existing model. And they need to change that one. And that's what I think from, from our network automation software framework is, is the really important thing here. Um, you're beginning to get a different conversation. 
particularly when you're talking about new opportunities, whether that's in an enterprise vertical uh, adjacent or new consumer applications where you want to actually get the value into the network. Um, so you, you're getting that whole, a lot more traction in that area. And as I say, our framework seems to be resonating with people that people are recognizing, yes, I need to make, I need to change the way my business, uh, business works. And, and you talked about earlier blurring of boundaries. Yes. OSS, BSS and the network are blurring because of software, but it's also the processes within the organization. You can't, you can no longer see a planning process as being separated from an, uh, an operational fulfillment process, from an operational assurance process, and even an operational charging and billing billing process. They're all interlinked. If we want to engage with, I don't know, the gaming industry, it needs to interact at, at the level of network functionality, maybe low latency um, capability, but it also needs to interact at the uh, monetization level and how that, and, and a monetization in real time situation not not as a uh, a month a monthly bill so we're seeing a lot of um uh, change there and i'd make just one final point i think there's a there's a change um, uh, this was a blurring between say oss and bss but i think there's also a very important word that gets dropped from the situation we no longer need to see these things as support systems they are they are an integral part of the network operational business engagement and the network all need to work together. Niall, the, the formation of Amdocs networks itself, uh, I'd like to just drill into that a little bit because you talked about solutions and Francis has indicated, you know, the need for, uh, you know, operators to be able to choose from a, a, a more, a wider collection of, uh, you know, technologies, skill sets and so on in order to you know, transition to this new world. Can you just give us a bit of a flavor of, of Andox Network specifically? And, and based on what you said earlier about the, the internal papers and things, what, what is this entity and what is its remit and how does it take us into this new world? Absolutely. Thanks, Robert. Um, yeah, just, just as I do, let me, let me cast, to something, uh, cast back to something Francis just said, which I think is extraordinarily relevant. Um, the support systems concept is, a, is, is definitely a goner. It's... Um, as in, it's a thing of the past. It's it it isn't. You know, the, the, these these functions are now the programmable artifacts. They're not the things that support the programmable artifacts. Uh, but Francis touched on something even more that gets overlooked a lot, a huge amount. Um, if you're providing just one one piece of that, and a lot of vendors still see themselves as providing, I'm going to provide the gateway, or I'm going to provide the you know, the orchestrator, I'm going to provide the UDR, whatever it is, um, they miss out on the fact that you actually need to provide a more holistic uh, technology solution. But the other part they miss out on, and, and, and this is what Francis touched on it, is the business process associated with bringing these things into being is a cultural mindset change as well and a business process mindset change as well. We, we spent a lot of time um, over the last number of years working with with operators who wanted to put a digital brand in the marketplace, you know, I'm going to appeal to the 20 somethings or the generation Zs or whatever they are um, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the only ones who succeeded well, uh, the only ones who really, really made it are the ones who actually broke out the, the business 
into a little small universe that they left on their own. They didn't allow it to get swamped by the 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 the, the regular business of a of a public network because they're incompatible. You can't move fast. You know, elephants can't tap dance. That's just the way it is. Um, so, in in some respects, the the business process change uh, in the in the kind of network of the five G era um, requires a different way of looking at things. I remember talking a couple of a couple of months ago I was out with one of the guys in AT and T, and he was describing telco in the seventies, and he said it was really interesting because there it took 10 years to get a new service onto any network. But they had an expedited system which allowed them to get a network, you know, a new service on the network in seven years. Now, this was an era of fixed lines and, mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of good stuff. He said, by the 80s, they had got it down to six years and four years. And today, it's down to about maybe two years and expedited 14 months kind of stuff. Uh, and what he was talking about, because he was working on a really interesting project, um, uh, because he was talking about averages rather than his own business, but he was, but but he's working on a project that we're working with him on around automation, which takes new service launches down to about four hours, if you do it right. Now, that's very adventurous, and you always set projects with extremely high goals, but you can forecast and model and use AIs and tools like that to actually predict what happens on your network, simulate the traffic and all the other kind of bits and pieces. But their ambition is for somebody to turn and say, I think I'll put a I'll put a gig on in Central Park this afternoon. I'll spin up my MPN. I'll put all these immersive experiences into the people in my club and they can all enjoy it. And then about four o'clock in the afternoon, I'll just tear it all down. And thank you very much. And we need to be kind of thinking about profound revolutions like that it was against the background of that kind of um that kind of environmental change which we 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 eventually came to understand probably five years after you guys in appledore did but we got there at the end from the point of view of the the implications on on, on software but the, the wider the wider ecosystem starts with what will the business look like in three years time uh, where are we now and how do we get from a to b um, a, a very simple kind of process, really, but a very, very effective when you do it. Um, the first thing we did was an inventory. We, we developed a, a thesis um, about what the industry would look like in three years' time. Um, we shared that with the management of the company. The management of the company said, yeah, that sounds actually terrifying, but you could be right. Mm-hmm. Now, will you go off and see where Amdocs fits in this, in, in this, uh, this place? Because we have excellent services people doing SI consulting. We have excellent AI consulting people. We have security people. We have managed services people. We have delivery people and so on. That's just in services. We have a product portfolio lineup which has got inventory and it's got orchestration. It's got policy and charging and things like that. Um, And and we'd like to understand who should we talk to as, as friendly partners. Because it's you know my thesis is it's going to be an ecosystem and and part of the value is providing the operators with a ready-made ecosystem that's open to more ecosystem development going forward. So we can be the the catalyst or the pathway to for for operators. Um, having done the audit of what we were doing where and we began to realise there were parts where we were we had different parts of the organisation doing the same kind of work. Um, we were very disparate in, in terms of silos. Um, 
we brought we brought all of the people together and we developed a um in through, throughout 2022 we developed a a strong portfolio of what it is we can do well uh in terms of products what we can you know uh, uh, but but skinny them up or paint them in in a way where they can be bought digested consumed by a network audience in a much more comfortable way than we would have historically advertised yeah. um so the sales engagement model changed as well as everything else from from our perspective you know you wanted mm-hmm. uh, to, to provide different slas you want to provide different kind of upgrade paths and things like that um we rationalized and when i say rationalized we took all of the services offerings and figured out which ones were going to be relevant for a network for the for the type of business we wanted to be we working with my colleagues in different parts of the business we 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 put the um the services offering portfolio um some things never relevant some things needed to be enhanced we needed some new skills in areas like cloud we so we we you know as an organization we we built a dedicated cloud unit they have network people who are dedicated to me in that wonderful matrix manner uh, and so on um and we developed solutions we got some of the brightest architects in our cto and our technology vision, uh, technology divisions um and we developed probably about nine solution areas where we thought this is where amdoc should lead and some of them are very vanilla is transport and devices management and things like that some of them are much more profound around exposure and so on so but and solutions are the big hot button for me because we'll definitely sell you anything you want to buy but if you sure. want to have, you know, feel the profound strategic benefit of something we can help you with, it's really in the solutions area. Uh, and we formed relationships with Microsoft. We have a strong strategic relationship now, partnering with them for Azure and AODS. Mm-hmm. We developed relationships, well, we had relationships, but we made them deeper in the network space specifically uh, with AWS. We have an emerging relationship with Google we work very closely with Intel and all of the, you know, there's, a, there's an ecosystem of players, yeah. but we recast the, what we should be doing together throughout 2022. Um, and at 2023 at Mobile World Congress, we were able to show demos that incorporated, you know, uh, Palo Alto security and uh, Dell systems and, and, and obviously with the announcement of Microsoft and so on. But the whole thing was, you know, we went public in February at our, sorry, early March at Mobile Congress, but there is this Amdocs Networks unit. Um, it's a it's a very defined portfolio where we can add value. Its messaging and its positioning is not to turn around and say, oh, you know, equipment providers are evil. They're not. They're really good, and they've got trusted relationships going on for years and years and years. They're just not fast enough necessarily for where the business needs to go in some circumstances. Um, and we can help. So at the RAN level, we have a mobile division, we call it mobile division, um, which is helping virtualize RAN and bringing in ecosystem partners. But it's not time to throw out the RAN vendors. Mm. It's virtualizing them and allowing more innovation through the, the plug-in of, 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 um, of partners because the next generation of solutions, um, networks need an app store, if I can put it to you like that. They need to be able to tap into a broad ecosystem of innovation to serve lots and lots of different verticals. Uh, we're really well placed to help bring together the ecosystems as required, preload, pre-test, integration, all of that good stuff as part of the, the value we provide. So that again comes back down to my 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 the, the religion of solutions. 
it's you know definition of solution is it addresses a business problem so we tend to focus on well where's the business problem and how do we go about fixing it mm-hmm. so and that 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 really is again a bit of a woolly answer to your question robert i apologize but it's 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 a business driven kind of evolution for amdocs it's not um we woke up one day and we were going to cure you know uh, world hunger or or send men to mars it was actually having a our ceo shuki is he's absolutely obsessed with the customer um now his background is sales and no big surprise but it's an environment that's rich for us to be able to tell our story well internally that there are big challenges coming and if we don't help our customers they're going to be in real difficulty they could be disintermediated there could be disaggregation and so on of, of, of what's going on um and that was a green light moment for us i mean I, I hit on it by accident but it was boy i'm glad i did because it, it brought us to where we are today you know yeah yeah no it, it makes a lot of sense and and it's clear you know you, you've been doing your homework uh this is not a this is not a tactical you know opportunistic uh, effort um this taps directly into you know some of the most major trends in the industry today, uh, things becoming software, the demand for just greater speed and, and, and innovation, um, and and telcos themselves needing to change some things that once were the right thing and now are becoming less the right thing, uh, changing priorities and so on. Um, uh, I did want to ask about about that, and Francis, question for you as well is the the progress of telcos themselves in in making some of these changes we talk a lot about cultural change we talk a lot about process change and so on that's, that's kind of a given but but in in practical terms you know our operators how on board are they with with this shift uh, in particular around maybe you need to talk to different companies maybe you need to talk to some of your current vendors in a different way you know that sort of change and all the way through into procurement who are you going to send this rfi to you know is it going to be the usual suspects or do we have to widen the the, the picture uh, i'd be interested in in the extent to which you think that's happening not happening francis maybe you could talk to that first and now maybe you could give us a, a view about that after yeah I, I think we're in an interesting position um where as telcos, we love technology. So we, we, we if there is no doubt that we're embracing the idea of disaggregation in networks, the idea of openness in networks, the idea of playing things together. But those two things, disaggregation and openness, are not just technology things. They're actually business things. Um, a telco is used to delivering almost everything in its network. We, we've had examples of disaggregation in the business. The Towerco is probably the, the, the best, the, the best example, best example. We have a degree of openness in terms of interoperate, operator, um, uh, connectivity. Um, but actually this whole software thing, it, it takes it to the next level in, powered by cloud effectively. So if you've got the ability to actually disaggregate, not just the technology, but also major parts of the business, we're going to see a lot of things like neutral hosts, um, tower companies that may, may be doing things. The sort of break, breakdown of say the mobile networks into MVNOs and MNOs, for example, actually breaks down in, incredibly. It's no longer a, a BSS in one and an, an, an OSS and a network in the other. We've got a blurring of the, of, of business models. And you may well see very different business models actually, uh, actually be created. 
telcos actually need to embrace that disaggregation. Disaggregation, should, disaggregation, I think, is at the moment, from a business point of view, is seen as a uh, problem. But it's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do what you do very, very well, very, even better. And it's an opportunity to allow others that can deliver something cheaper or faster for you to be brought into your e ecosystem. And, and that actually ultimately drives drives your ability to innovate, innovate ecosystem, in the ecosystem, innovate new use cases, new businesses, because without that, you're not going to do it. And telcos can't do it on their own. We don't really buy connectivity anymore. We buy an experience on a game. We buy experience in a factory, uh, as an example. And that will, that will be different ecosystems, different players, and they will need to be brought together with a telco. Niall, what, what do you what do you think? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Francis is is hit the nail on the head. I, I think the the age of, of of kind of connectivity becoming intertwined with everything we do, business, personal, whatever. The information age, if you want a better description, um, at around the same time as things like AI are beginning to become more pronounced. That nobody can predict what AI could, how it'll change different businesses. I think you know an embedded connectivity, people will won't even think about it. It's like you don't think about where water comes from or how electricity is really generated. The fact that you can enjoy light, heat, and 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 water, it just it it enters into everything that people do. And I think that's where community or connectivity uh, effectively will come. But for that to happen, truly happen. Um, you do need a lot of innovation in lots of new ways. For the, for the telcos to make money, developers have got to start using connectivity as a programmable artifact in the offers they're creating. And if that's a if that's made difficult, they'll find a different way of doing it, and you'll find it. You know, but you can't hold back. You know, Schumpeter's uh, creative destruction. We're in that age right now, and we're, we've got a ringside seat to watch it happen. Um, and I'm hoping that. It comes from it comes from ecosystems. It comes from innovation. It comes from the the chemistry that if you put enough smart individuals or individual companies in a room, they will innovate to great value in ways that nobody had actually thought about before. Uh, whether that's at the RAN level, whether that's at the core level, whether but, but to Francis's point, it's it's there's no longer really those divisions that are there. There are different providers and there's different boxes in different places, which makes joining them all together a little more complicated but that's just a that's a temporal issue you know t t in the equation will get smaller over time uh, and so on so fostering innovation um abstracting the complexity away from those ecosystems abstracting the complexity away from the you know the the, the consumers of the services that's that's the value that telcos have in the future if, if I can put it to you like that. And, you know, it's funny, <laughs> when I started the journey about, you know, um, you know, Amdocs in the network, have we got a big play, which was the original ask that, that was of me. And my boss, Anthony, turned around and uh, he said, you know, what's your biggest challenge here? And, you know, is it technology? Is it politics? Uh, you know, what what is it? Is it vision of the future? And I said, look, it's, um, it's the fact that nobody believes that Amdocs is a network player. And I said that's a that's a that's a small um, a small example of a bigger malaise, which is uh, people tend to 
get used to the idea that there's a, a network in an IT domain and that systems aren't as interconnected as they, they, they are in reality. Um, you know, a cloud, having a data center that works really well, but you haven't got a front end or you haven't got outposts and you haven't got various kind of edge capabilities in the cloud means you've got a crappy cloud. Um, it doesn't matter how good the individual components are, they all have to work together. And telcos are becoming increasingly like that. So when people think about Amdocs and it's a big billing player and they don't really understand the value, um, we have to overcome the prejudice of the past and, and embrace this kind of fresh looking future. Uh, so as people think about Amdocs doing something different, we're just following an evolutionary path, which is compelling. Um, that will impact everybody in the industry. Um, all the vendors need to think about their role in a different way, focusing on the business outcomes. You know, uh, when I go to the to the, to, to the supermarket, I, I want to buy a frozen pizza. I don't want to buy the 20 minutes of the fridge that was keeping the pizza cold, if you know what I mean. So, uh, and and and, and it, it's it's it is a kind of profound kind of moment. Um, because the business itself, the business that we're all in, is is going to do new and exciting things. The problem with that great big vision is the bill you've got to pay is change, and change is always painful. Nobody likes change, um, but the the prize at the end is so worthwhile that it's that it's it's an inevitability. Uh, all it is is speed, at which it happens, and I think vendors can step up and help operators get there rather than kind of selling them the bits and asking them to become the master SI, the vendors can actually work together to help provide some of that path to the future. So that, that pain of change we can overcome, I think, much more effectively. And that's that's where Amdocs Networks hopefully comes in as playing our part. Not the only player, but, but a hopefully an important valued player. Sure, we certainly see what you're doing in Amdocs Networks as having an impact on this landscape. It's good to hear your your encouragement to to operators is look. It may look a bit blurry now, but out the other side of this is something better. You know, embrace the change, embrace the the difference, uh, and make sure you do change. Uh, the last thing you want to do is stay where you are, uh, and that goes through your vendor list, your technology strategies. You know, you're thinking about what needs to change and how how things need to change. Um, it's in your interests. Uh, to to you know, turn that upside down, have a look at it in a different way, open your eyes to what's going on in the marketplace, and and see you know some things are are really different, happening in a different way. Robert, I, I think one of the things that I think is useful here is the the journey that Amdocs has just been through with its uh, its networks division is a cultural change in Amdocs, and the the change that we're looking for here or the change to grab the opportunity is about cultural change in telcos and i think amdocs is actually in a good place to show or trailblaze a path to the change in telco it's had to re re reorganize and, rec and recognize a change role for amdocs and that can help with the csps Gentlemen, that's been a really interesting walk through both the history of of modern telecom and, and also bring us right up to date. I want to thank you both for your, your insight input today. Uh, really good talking with you both. Thanks, Thanks very much, much, Robert. You have been listening to the Appledore Research Podcast. Join us next time for more insights and conversation on the transformation of telecom.